Now let us read from verses 1 to 5. John chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. The young ones there, John 17. Okay, let us read God's word together reverently. Reading. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. The hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to him in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in thy house to study thy word, for keeping us safe through the week and bringing us in here. Lord, as we come, we once again ask that you search our hearts. We know that we have sinned against you in many ways, in our words, our deeds, our thoughts. We pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us, cleanse us in the blood of Christ. Show us wherein we have sinned that we may, by your strength and grace, repent and go back no more. Father, we pray now as we study your word, your Holy Spirit would enlighten our hearts, open our eyes and ears, Lord, that we may understand thy truth. We pray for every group that is, met, that is meeting in thy house tonight. Be with the facilitators, be with friends and visitors who are here for the first time. Lord, we pray that you would speak to every heart. Use this Bible study on Friday nights to strengthen your church, to feed your flock. We pray, Lord, that the young ones to the elderly may be growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That in understanding and knowing Him, Lord, it would change our lives. Lord, speak to us, change our lives for your glory's sake. Help us to concentrate, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here is what we have um, stopped at last week, and we said that chapter 17 in John. Now, this chapter is known in particular by many as what prayer? Anyone remember? Or did we cover this? Did we cover this? We did. Right. Um, did you remember, Caleb? High priestly prayer, very good. Alright, so chapter 17 is known very commonly as the high priestly prayer. High. Now, Christ is our high priest, right? High priestly prayer. Okay, this is often known as the high priestly prayer. Some call it the Lord's pastoral prayer. The Lord's pastoral prayer. I'm the Lord, our great shepherd, the great pastor, praying for his flock, right? So this is what is often called the high priestly prayer. Now, before we begin, I just want to give you an overview of this particular prayer. This prayer is divided into three parts, okay? The first part is in verses 1 to 5, you can write that down, and it is the Lord praying for himself, the Lord praying for himself. Then in verses 6 to 19, 6 to 19, the Lord prays for the disciples, the believers at that time. Then verses 20 to 26, the Lord prays for the future believers and all believers together. Okay, the future believers and all believers together. Now, remember that the Lord has had a long discussion with the disciples and at this point he looks up now this at this point is just before he would be arrested by the pharisees all right so after this prayer we have the record that he will be arrested betrayed and arrested so this would be his prayer where he would lift up his head look at verse 1 chapter 17 verse 1 he lift up his eyes to heaven and he prayed audibly for the people to hear now, in this audible prayer, the disciples are going to learn many things. What is in the Lord's heart for them? 
Now, do you know what is the Lord's prayer for you? What does the Lord desire for you as a Christian, as a believer? The Lord is in heaven now, and the Bible tells us He ever liveth to make intercession for us. God is, the Lord Jesus is always praying for us. And here He would show to us especially what He desires. How many of you, um, I remember, um, Reverend Koshi, some of you know Reverend Koshi. Reverend Koshi said that when he was a young child, like some of you in front here, he's always very curious what his mother prays for him. So when his mom is praying in the room, he would open the door a little bit, put his ear to it, and try to hear what his mom prays for him. Now here we have a record of what the Lord Jesus prays and desires for us. So we must pay attention. And also, so that's number one. Now number two, we must also remember that this is one of the most misunderstood prayer, most misunderstood content in Christendom. I'll explain to you why so. This prayer is often quoted to emphasize the unity of the world. Okay, now let us see if that's true. Now, so let's look at question number three first. Now, so here, what did Christ pray for himself? What did Christ pray for himself? Um, Ignatius, from verses 1 to 5, what was Christ praying for? He prayed for himself. Mm, what did he pray for himself? Um. That God the Father will do what? In verse 1. Very good. Alright, thank you. Now you notice that um, Ignatius did not say what did he pray for? When did Christ pray for himself? We did not read, Ignatius did not read that um, the Father glorified the Son. But you will notice that the Son's prayer is glorify thy Son that thy Son may glorify thee. The Lord's prayer in the beginning was that God the Father would glorify Him. In what sense? You look at verse 5. Like verse 5, it says, Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, men to, at that point only see Christ visibly as a weak man. But very soon, men will understand him as the glorious God, especially his disciples. They will understand who he is. But the Lord's point is this, Father, glorify me. Not so that just he would be glorified, but his end purpose is God the Father would be glorified. That is what we must also learn for ourselves. We must learn that in everything that we pray for, Cornelius, when you pray to God for anything, what is the end purpose of why you pray for that thing? For God's will. And why, when you pray for anything like Christ, when he prayed that God the Father glorify him, what was the purpose? To glorify the Father. So everything that you pray for, you must check it against that. Now, if Christ, who is God, and Christ said, I had the original glory, right? In verse 5. The original glory but yet when he prays he says so that you father would be glorified how do you pray now how do you pray everything that you pray it is actually good uh, if you have a big signboard in front of you i don't know where you pray where do you pray at home do you have a little corner that you always go to um do you jennifer no i always have a particular place um, in one of my rooms i like to kneel there to pray and I think it's good for us to have maybe a signboard that reminds us, is this for the glory of God? <laughs> so every time you pray, you look up at that, you look up at look up at that printout. Is this for the glory of God? God help me to do well in my studies. Then you look, is it for the glory of God? Or is it for myself? Now, if Christ, who is God and has all the glory, yet he is concerned for the glory of the Father, how much more us? 
What do you want to be? Lord, please help me to pass all my exams so that I can be this and that and this and that. Then you look at that signboard again and say, why am I praying this? Is it for your glory? Or is it for myself? For my own glory? So Christ was concerned about that. But let us see how Christ glorified God. All right? So it's very easy. Lord, I want to glorify you. Now look at verse 2. Um, sorry, look at verse, um, verse 4. Now let's read verse 4 together. Chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now how did Christ glorify God the Father? At the end of his prayer for glorifying God the Father, he says that I have finished the work that you give me to do. How do you glorify God? You do God's work. As God asks you to do it. Why did you come to Perth to study? Why did you go to a particular school? Why do you choose a certain course of study? You have to ask yourself, is this God's will? God's work? God had a will for Christ. God the Father had a will for God the Son. That God the Son come to do the, salve, the work. What work? Verse 2 and 3 will tell us. Verse 2 and 3 is about Life eternal, eternal life. Christ came. What work did he finish? The eternal, the work to redeem men. That is Christ's work. Christ's will, God's will for Christ. Let me ask you, is it an easy will? Cornelius, is it very, is it a nice holiday for the Lord Jesus to come to earth to save you? Did he come with a nice holiday for a nice holiday? No. What was his life like? Fun, easy, everybody loved him. It was a really hard life. The Pharisees hated him. Right? What else? Anyone else? What about our friends, Amy? What else can you think? Christ said, I came, I came to do the Father's will. And I finished it, and that glorified God. But as he did what God wanted him to do, what was his life like? Oh, it, was, it, was, it was very humiliating for him to come down from his glory in heaven and to be a, a man, part of his own creation. That was very humiliating. Very humiliating. Now, um, thank you for, for bringing that up. We, we just covered that, actually... Um, at one of the Bible studies last night. Now, you know, for God, you do not realize. Look at verse 5. He says, With the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Before, we even, before the world even came into place, Christ is, was, and will always be this glorious God. It's just that we cannot imagine. Now, we can't imagine what it means for God to be man. To be what he created, creature. Now, Vincent, I ask you, Vincent, would you be a worm and live in the drain? No. <laughs> Don't feel like it, right? All right, Vincent, will you be that that all those worms or all those ants in your KFC kitchen in the drain? You tell me there are no ants in your kitchen. I know. <laughs> right? We don't. Now we just think. But we say, oh, no, I'm not going to be like that. But here Christ is with the glory which I had. Christ is enabling us to know that incredible glory that he had, yet he became man to finish, to finish God's work. When we say we want to glorify God, my friends, sometimes it is going to cost you. I want you to understand that. It will sometimes cost you difficulty, like Cornelius brought up, people may hate you. Like Amy mentioned, it can be humiliating. It might be that. Can you think of humiliation to glorify God? Can you think of any? Joshua? In what sense would it be humiliating sometimes to be a Christian? 
everybody looks at you and they think that you don't know what you're talking about, you're a complete fanatic and you just believe in things that have no basis. Mm. They will humiliate you, but they don't know who God is. Right, and they say, oh, you mean you believe in creation? You know, all the scientific world says we evolved. And then they call you all sorts of things. And they say, oh, so you're part of that kind of Christians that, are, uh, that live in the cave age. You believe silly things. Right? Sometimes it can be humiliating. But I ask you, now sometimes it means that you may need to change your lifestyle. You may lose friends. You may, for the sake of living rightly before God and men, you may need to give up certain things. You may change your lifestyle. People may say, you may feel humiliated. Now, if in order to live rightly as what God expects in the Bible, as a Christian, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, in order to live rightly as God expects, what happens one day if something happens and then you find that you have to change your lifestyle totally? Maybe you have to downgrade. Maybe you work in a job that makes a lot of money. But when you became a Christian, or maybe while you're a Christian, you realize, oh, that is a problem. And it means you have to change. And you have to change. Maybe it means you have to sell the house that you're staying in, sell the car that you're driving, live differently in order to be obedient to God, in order to do God's work. What happens if one day, Vincent, you become the... Oh, pick, pick Vincent enough. Shenre, you become... Oh no, Ray E? Where's Ray E? Oh, okay. Uh, Shenre becomes um, the greatest lawyer that the entire Australia ever knows. Okay? And you're living this high-flying lifestyle. And then God wants you to do something else. God calls you. Or someone else. God calls you to full-time work. And then you say, oh, it means that like Christ say, I have finished your work. You say, in order to do God's work, in order to do God's will, we should glorify Him. My life may change. Now, I, I tell you very frankly, um, it was a big change for me. I work in the corporate world. Um, I have a lot of people working for me. And when God called me to the full-time ministry, and every Wednesday we go for evangelism um, with the Bible College. And then we go to Little India and we give out tracts. And I always you know, have this um, thought that comes to my mind. I used to have many people reporting to me. Now, what if one of them see me? Does it look very embarrassing? You know, I have people at my command, and now I'm on the street giving out tracts. And at that moment, I got very convicted. And I realized one thing, that to do like Christ, He says, I finished the work. I came to do your work. I will finish your work. That is the most important thing. And once you understand that, in fact, you realize that that is the most glorious thing. You will glorify God. Christ allowed himself to be humiliated and for one reason. Now you think carefully, because I covered this last week, uh, previous time. Why do you think Christ came? He went through that humiliation. Mabel, I call your name right this time. Mabel, why did Christ come to earth? Okay, are you sure? Not to save you. Not to save you. Yes? So which one? Yana. What do you think? Yana, right? Oh, Yana. Alright, you're Yana. Okay, Yana. What, whenever you... People say, why did Christ come to earth? To save sinners. Now, that is always what we say, right? To save sinners. But when you... Look at what Christ prayed. Do you think that it was to save sinners? Now you look at verse, uh, chapter 17. Now he says, the Father, the hour is come. Now he says, the final hour. The reason why I come, the hour is here now. 
to glorify you. And then, yes, you're right, and he talks about to give sinners eternal life, right? In verse 3. But ultimately, he says that the key purpose is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. So, Yana, we have to understand, and Christians, we all have to understand, the reason why Jesus Christ came to save you is simply because that's the work that God the Father gave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? It is because of that. And Christ said, when I come and I finish your work, I will glorify you. And that work, in particular, is what you say, to save sinners. So it is correct to say, why did Christ come? Christ came to save sinners. Is that a full stop? No. That, through the saving of sinners, He will glorify God the Father. Understand that. That's why you look at verse 3. Verse 3. Now let's read verse 3 together. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, do you see anything in there about escaping hell and all that? No, you see, this is about... Now, what is eternal life? Every time we say, um, Veronica, what is eternal life? Living forever. Alright, so that's the what comes to our mind, alright? What is eternal life? That's why I picked the young ones. Whatever comes to our mind, living forever. But here Christ defines for us what is eternal life. Right? Definitely. What is eternal life? What does Christ define eternal life as? Oh, we can look at our Bible. Yes. Verse 3. Very good. And Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. Now, eternal life is not simply living forever. Okay, Veronica, it, is eternal life simply living forever? Now, eternal life has that part that means we will live forever. Okay, but what Christ wants us to know, He said, I come to save you. I come to give you eternal life. And that eternal life is about knowing the only true God. Ignatius, who's the only true God? Jesus Christ, God the Father, right? The Trinity, that's all. Now, my friends, sometimes we think that eternal life is simply escaping hell. It is part of it, but eternal life is knowing God. Do you know God? What is this know? Is this know? Well, I've read stories about Him. I know Him. I've watched um, things um, in our Sunday school. Well, I've, I've, I've been taught who Jesus Christ is. I know Him. It's not that no. Now, this no is an intimate knowledge. It is one that has a relationship with Him, a genuine relationship with Him. Do you have that? I fear many of us, we grew up in church. How many of you grew up in church? Wow, so many. <laughs> All right. You're pretty much born into Christian family. You grew up in Christian family. Yes, I know Jesus Christ. I can tell you all the stories uh, very accurately. But this is not the know that Jesus Christ is talking about. This know is, do you know Him as your God? Means, have you really have this personal relationship with Him? Means, tonight you go back and you kneel down and you want to pray to God. It is personal. You talk to God as your Father. Many of us grew up in Christian families, we think we are going to heaven because our parents are, are Christians, because our grandparents are Christians, because our siblings are Christians. No, this is God saying, now eternal life is having a very real personal relationship with God. That saves you because you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal saviour. That saves you. And then after that, it's an ongoing relationship with God. Veronica, do you have an ongoing daily relationship with God? Daily, all the time. God is not your daddy and mommy's God. It's your God. Yes, now that is what it means. Eternal life. You must ask yourself tonight, my friends, if it is not, tonight you pray. Lord, I, I know you, Lord Jesus. I know you through my family, but I've never really asked you to save me. I've never really asked you to forgive me of my sins. Tonight, Lord Jesus, would you please save me? And from, from henceforth, help me to live a life close to you. Christ said, that is what I came for. 
That is what I came for, that you know God the Father personally. And after that, you know me, Jesus Christ, whom God sent. You also have a personal relationship with me. Do you have ongoing fellowship? That is what he's talking about. So he said, now that is my purpose. But he says that purpose ultimately is to glorify God. Zeda, what are you studying? Yeah, yeah. All right, you're studying a particular course, right? Now, why are you studying that? Because you want to study that. You want to study that, right? Now, you know, once you're believers, we begin to evaluate our life. I do cable installation, networking engineering. Is it networking? Is it networking? Say again, communications. All right. And say, why am I doing this? Why am I doing anything in life? Remember Christ. Christ says, the hour is come to glorify God the Father. All right. And sometimes it will cost you. It will cost you. Sometimes it may cost you much. Friendships, lifestyle, it will cost you. Now, let us move. All right. So now, how did he glorify God? We, 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 we talked about that. He obeyed God. He finished God's work. Will you finish God's work? My fear is some of us because it's too common in church. Too common in church where we see someone very zealous, or many teenagers like you all, or university, and then they, you grow up, you go out to work, it's all too common in church that after some time, well, you have money, you begin to enjoy the world, then you begin to not bother to follow God anymore. Christ finished. Look at, look at the Bible. Hmm? Verse, verse 4, I have finished the work. Would you at your dying bed, now this is literally Christ's um, last moments on earth. Would you, on your last moments on earth, say, I followed God faithfully, I finished His work. Or we will be bowing in shame, Lord, I followed you when I was a teenager, then along the way, I went wayward. I loved the world. Now Christ said, I finished the work. Now, that, is my, that must be our aim, to walk close to God. Anything that He asks us to do, we live that life and we finish it. We must finish it. So whatever you pursue, if God changes the course, whatever is your lifestyle, if God changes the course, you say, God, for your glory, I'm willing, and God, I will finish whatever you ask me to do to my last day on earth. Next question. How do we then fulfill the chief end of men? Okay, let me try. Um, Francis, um, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, right? Westminster Confession of Faith, um, Larger Catechism, question number? Number? Number one? Is it number one? Right, number one. Huh? Why is it the first thing that the Westminster divines pen? Because that is Christ's chief end. If that is Christ's chief end, then that must be man's chief end. To glorify God the Father, to glorify God, and to enjoy Him. Now, this is the eternal part, eternal life part, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ. Your personal walk with Him is an enjoyment. Understand that? It's an enjoyment. Is it true? I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. Are you really enjoying your, work, your walk with the Lord? When trials come, there's a question later on. The Lord will pray about this. Right? So we get this um, concept also from this chapter. Glorify God, know Him. That's the chief end of man. So in order to achieve the chief end of man, what should we do? Okay, Cornelius, I'm going to try you. So far, we've studied chapter 14, 15 and 16 very carefully. And Christ told the disciples many things. See how many you can remember. All right? Now, Christ says, now for us to glorify God, there's one particular one. You turn to chapter 15. Say, so I want to glorify God. Who, wants, who says, I don't want to glorify God? I'm sure none of us will put up our hands. Now, what does it mean? 
I want to glorify God. What does it mean? If, if God asks you, all right, what's the next thing that you will do? Now, can you, I'll give you some hints. Chapter 15, somewhere in the first 10 verses. Cornelius, you found it? No? Anyone want to help Cornelius? Elaine? Keep his commandments. Very good. Now, that is one of the things. We, we say, God, I want to glorify you. Now, it is keeping his commandments. We studied that. What else? Say again. Um, let people know about God so that people will know who God is. And when people know God, they will glorify him. Now, all these things, God does give it under an blank, a overall blanket. Um, Kenny? Chapter 15, verses 1 to 10 is in there. Very good. Which verse? Verse 8. Let's read together. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Francis, when you say, when you quoted that, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Then if someone asks you the next question, how, what does that mean? Here is the definition that Christ gave, which is to bear much fruit. Not just fruit, bear much fruit. Right? Bear much fruit. Now, then you have to ask ourselves, I want to glorify good God. So you take a mirror and you say, I want to glorify God. And then you have to ask yourself, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? We talk about bearing fruit. Who can remember bearing fruit? There are two aspects. One, um, we've already covered. That is to um, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And then people get saved. Alright? People get saved. So, very often people think bear fruit means get people saved. Go for evangelism, people get saved. Oh, I have fruit. Do you have any fruit? Yes, I have Five fruit this year. My classmate got saved. My friend got saved. My relative got saved. I have five fruit. We think of fruit simply as preaching the gospel. It is. It includes that. What is the other area? Just now we said what? Obey his commandments. Obey commandments. Alright? Obey his commandments. We read that there. And there's one more. Anyway, I told you before, I say, the next time I ask, bear much fruit, you must know these three. Right? What's the third one? It's in chapter 14. Now, the Lord talked about all these things, then He talked about bear much fruit. Right? It's in chapter 14, verse number 12. Let's read together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, so shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, here Christ emphasized doing the works that he do. Doing the works that he do means serve him. Serve God. Christ came to serve the Father, to do his will. Alright? Serving. So when we say, I want to serve God, I want to glorify God. This is how Christ described glorifying God in this long conversation that he had with his disciples. Right? So we must remember, every time we say, I want to glorify God, we have to ask ourselves, do we even preach the gospel? Why does preaching the gospel glorify God, Vincent? Okay, standard answer. Samantha, why does... Why, why would a Christian want to preach the gospel? And how come in preach, when we preach the gospel, uh, people get saved, it glorifies God? Say again, sir. If we fulfill that, how does fulfilling that glorify God? Because you must understand. If you don't understand, we'll do it, we, we will do the wrong thing. Um, Yana? Um, 
Finish God's work. Now, why does preaching the gospel and people get saved glorify God? Zeta. Okay, <laughs> that's what Jesus did. Anyone? Francis, Amy, I'm picking a lot of our new friends. Actually, I didn't get your name. I... Susan. Susan, you want to try? We are God's children. Um, that is about this part. This part. We must understand why we are preaching the gospel no? and why we want people to get saved. Why do we want people to get saved? So that we can tell our pastor, uh, this year I, I led so many people to Christ. Why? Why does... Yes, Cheryl. Very good. That's why I say this is eternal life, that they may know. Right? No. Now, this know also, you preach the gospel. How does preaching the gospel glorify God? Because people will know this through God. They will know this through, that this God is true. That this God is the creator. That this God is the holy God. That this God is the just God. That this God is the loving God. They will know who He is. Why do you want someone to be saved? To avoid hell. Shenry, why do you want your grandma to be saved? So that you can glorify God. That is actually the answer, you know. Susan, do you have any loved ones who is not saved? Alright, maybe your uncle. Alright, your uncle is not saved. Now, why do you want to preach the gospel to your uncle? So that he don't go to hell. So that he may have eternal life and glorify God. Now, we must understand that. Of course, we want them to avoid hell. That is definitely important. But please know that is not the only reason. Christ said the, the main reason is that people will know God and they will glorify Him. Do you understand why that is important? Who can tell me why that is important in understanding glorifying God? Why do you think this is important? Joshua? Now, if you are only concerned about people, oh, I don't want them to go to hell, you will preach a different gospel. I just want you to believe. I just want you to come to church. You will preach a different gospel. Why is the gospel changed today? Why do people preach health and wealth gospel? Health and wealth gospel means you believe in Jesus, you become rich, and you never fall sick. All right? That's the health and wealth gospel today. Why do people change the gospel? Is that God? Let me ask you, is that the God that you and I worship? No, the God that you and I worship is a just, holy God that will punish sin. But at the same time, He's a loving God that came as man to save men, right? Was it all about giving you money and making you rich? You paint a, not a true God, you paint a different God. They know another God. They worship another God. Alright, so Susan, why do you want your uncle to be saved? Because... I love this God so much. He is so glorious to me. I wish my uncle also would know this God. Yes? And in knowing him, he happens to escape hell as well. <laughs> right? If you're only focused, I want him to avoid hell. I want him to avoid hell. You know what happens in most churches that are only focused on wanting people to avoid hell? It's like they just... You know, like some, some people, I want to have baby. I want to have baby. I want to have baby. Recently, I read a lot of very frightening stories about young or mothers having baby and then they throw the baby in dustbins, they kill the baby and all that kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot there are children. <laughs> the children get very um, shocked. Now, they just want to have babies. Now, many parents, they have children and then after that, they don't, their focus is not to bring up the children well. I just want to have kids, that's it. What I'm trying to say is, when we don't understand this, churches, we just go out and preach the gospel. So for example, um, Daphne, you go out and preach the gospel, and then someone gets saved. Now, if you understand that it is so that they will know God, what will you do next? Will you, alright, bye, I'm glad you're avoiding, you're not going to go to hell, then you go to the next person. No, you're going to spend time with this person to make sure he knows God. Right? When we fail to understand this, we say, I want you to be safe, I want you to be safe. And then you have a church full of people who, yes, they got saved, hopefully genuinely saved, but they don't know God. 
They hardly grow in their Christian walk. In fact, they live lives that put God to shame. That becomes a problem. That's why Christ said, I came to glorify God. And I make sure that you know what is eternal life, is to know God, know this true God, not know a false God. Not know a false God. Alright, so that is why we preach the gospel. So preaching the gospel is important. That's one. Number two, God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keeping our commandments glorify God. Is any disobedient children, alright, children in front, when you are disobedient, do you glorify your parents? You put your parents to shame, right? We are very quick to tell children that. But we are like that. When we disobey God, when we do not follow God's commandments, we live lives that are sinful, shameful, we put God to shame. Christ say, that's why I say obey. Please understand that. Once you understand that, you look at God's commandment differently. How do you look at God's commandment, Zedda? God says, don't drink. Don't go to discos. Don't listen to rock music. Don't, don't, don't. How do you look at those commandments? Painful, unpleasant. hard to follow, right? Now, do you know why we find it hard to follow? Do you know why we find God's commandment sometimes, oh, actually, I don't like it? Because we don't understand this. When you understand Christ's aim, He said, I come. Now, I want you to look at verse, uh, chapter 14. Please look at chapter 14, verse 31. Can we read together? Chapter 14, verse 31. Let's read together. But... The world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Now, do you notice that Christ said the Father gave him commandment, and he did it? Do you ever occur to you that God the Father gave God the Son commandments, and God the Son do it? Because he loved God the Father, right? Why do we see God's commandment as as unpleasant because we are not interested in glorifying God. When you understand, unless you're not saved, eh? if you're a child of God, when you begin to understand obeying God's commandments, glorify Him, you will look at it differently. You will look at it differently. Now, if I tell you, Zera, um, don't, don't waste your time. Study hard. Um, don't play computer games, right? Um, study hard, right? Or Ignatius, same thing. Um, don't, don't go shopping all the time. Wait, no, this should be ladies. Right? <laughs> uh, Cheryl, don't go shopping all the time. You know, um, work hard. Now you say, oh, that is no fun. But if I tell you, Cheryl, do not shame your family by failing your exams. Ignatius, do not shame your dad by ending up a drunkard in Perth. Right? Now, I'm not saying that you, you are like that. But all of a sudden, does it sound different? It, once you understand that, it's different, isn't it? I say now, um, uh, Brenda, don't, whatever, whatever you're thinking of, <laughs> don't. <laughs> right? Don't. And then she's like, oh, but I don't like this church. A lot of don't. But once you see it from God's word, and they say, oh, because it will put God to shame. If I'm like that in school, with my friends, now it's suddenly different, right? So you willingly do it. You willingly do it. Because we don't understand that Christ says, now, you preach the gospel because you want people to know God. Um, Susan, do you have a, a good friend that you love very much? You have? You would like other people to know this person and to like him also or her? You do, right? That is what it means. Why do you want people to know God? Because I love God. He is a wonderful God. I want people to know God. Hmm? Now, why do we... God says, obey my commandments. You glorify, you glorify me. He said, I am the Son. God the Father gave me commandments. I happily go do it. Because I want to glorify God the Father. And then the last one. He says, to do the works that He do. Are you serving God? Or is your life full of self? For many years already, not a single thing you have done for God. 
Then you say, I want to glorify God. You take these three things from chapter 14, 15, and 16. You put it in front of you and then we search our hearts today. Say, have I truly glorified God? Alright? Now, it now comes to that part. I've preached about this many times. Maybe someone will say, ah, I know. He said that before. But now, let's ask ourselves this. Remember I said in the beginning, to glorify God, sometimes it can cost you much, right? It cost Christ much. And he was willing to go through much. Then you ask yourself, these three things, uh, alright, we need a transparent one. <laughs> now, these three things, if you say, now I understand from Christ in chapter 14, 15, and 16 of John, this is the definition of me glorifying God. Then you ask yourself, I don't have this, or I don't have this, or I don't have this. Then you ask yourself, to glorify God is going to cost me. It may mean from tomorrow onwards something is going to change in my life. It may mean that to serve God, I may compromise on some things in my studies, in my health, in my finances. It's going to cost me. Am I willing? to glorify God. If not, then you need to keep revisiting this yourself. I can't change you. It's between you and, you and God. It will cost you. It cost Christ much to glorify God the Father. But he did it to the end. He finished it. Will you live this life to the end? Or do you have a different idea of your life? By the time I graduate, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. Now, please, I also want to clarify, eh? there's nothing wrong to be rich. Is there anything wrong to be rich in this world? Amy? No? Then what's wrong? <laughs> it's when you love riches, when you love that life more than God. God does bless some people with riches. You see in the Bible, many rich people. The richest was Solomon. <laughs> there are some that God gives riches. But the question is, do you love your riches, your fame, your job, your career, your aspiration more than God? Now, that's the difference. When you don't, then you're willing to give up some of it in order to do this, right? That's it. Um, Ignatius, did you give up much to come here to study? Give up friends? Give up time with family? Give up finances? It's costly here. Give up when you reach here. Give up all the favorite food in Singapore. <laughs> right? I'm sure that was the first on your list. Right? But were you, did you come willingly and joyfully and happily? Pretty much, right? Because why? You have an aim, right? You have an aim. You have an aim. I want to finish this. I want to finish these studies. Do we have an aim in life? Christ say, before the beginning of the world, I have the glory, right? He said that. But he had a very clear aim. I will come, I will finish this work, however difficult, however humiliating, I will finish it because I want to glorify God. Do you have such a life? Think of that. That is a joyful life. The reason why you're willing to give up so many things to come here to study, because you had an aim. Now you have to ask yourself, what's your aim? To glorify God? Or to have what you want. If it's for what you want, you will keep pursuing that at the expense of all this. Alright? So, I also said this many times. Now, please know this. Susan, do you think what you're going to be in 10 years' time um, is something that is not already designed and ordained by God? Or it's already known to God. The Bible tells us it is. Right? The Bible tells us it is. Whether you are going to be a successful this or that, or that um, is already known by God. If it is not meant for you to be, who wants to be what? I don't know. Cornelius, what do you want to be? Oh, computer programmer. Alright, whether you be the most successful computer programmer working for which company? No, no, Microsoft. Alright? 
whether it will be then you study very hard because I want to be the best computer programmer and work for Bill Gates if he's still alive and I grow up <laughs> right? I want to be that and you aim for that and then you study very hard you work very hard and say I won't go to church anymore Sunday I won't go to old folks home to serve I use it to study and every cent that I have I'm not going to give to God's mission work I'm going to save it so that I can buy all the books on studying how to do how to be the best programmer. You can do all that, but if God did not intend for you to be that, do you know that after all that you're not going to be that? All right? So Susan, that is that is God's plan for the believer's life. Now, I'm, okay, please I'm not saying this. Please don't go and say, "Oh, Pastor Joseph say I don't need to study anymore. I just Okay, Sarah, okay, Sarah. I don't study, I will also be the best communications installation engineer that Perth ever see. Not true. God expects us to work, to do our best, but not at the expense of this. This is priority. It will happen. You put God first, it will happen. Whatever God meant for you. If God did not mean for you, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Understand that? Understand, Cornelius? It's not going to happen if not God meant for it. But you still must study hard and work hard. So why? Why? There are many things that I look back in my life that I regretted. And I wish people told me this when I was your age. I would have served God more, used my time more, because whatever I was going to be was already meant for it. I have known people who, are very, who have masters in business administration and all that, and they struggle all their life. I want to be a general manager. Never happened. I've known people who just have a basic degree, general manager of the company. How do you explain that? Do you have bad, do you have bad teachers? Let me ask you. Right? Elaine have to show you. <laughs> Elaine says, do you have bad teachers? And then, how do you become a teacher? <laughs> how do you even become a teacher? <laughs> All right? And then, Sherry, I heard you want to be a teacher, right? So Sherry is going to study very hard. Then you look at her. How, how did she become a teacher? Now, if God did not mean for you to be a teacher, no matter how hard you study, and then you go for interview, and you have better results on, than this so-called teacher, they will still say, uh, Shenri, thank you for your interest, but no thank you. Please go home. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Understand that. Now, I'm not saying we be lazy, all right? But if you put this first, whatever God has meant, focus on this. Those things God says, I already know before you ask, right? God said, before you pray, I already know. Why? Because he already knows the, your future. He has ordained it. So why do you put all those things first, my friends? I always must put this caveat. It doesn't mean you don't have good results, okay? It doesn't mean you just keep getting borderline results. Now, I believe any Christian who is diligent, serve God, and diligent in his work, God will bless. I believe that. You will do well. How many of you remember you study like crazy and say, oh, this Friday I'm not going for fellowship, Sunday I'm not going for worship, I'm going to spend all my time studying for this test. And then you barely pass. But on those weeks where you say, oh, I love my Lord, I want to glorify Him, I want to serve Him, I want to be useful to Him. I go to church, I serve Him. And then you go home and say, oh, I've done my best during the weekday. And then you get good results, right? God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does it mean? Seek to glorify Him. Huh? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, not God, you reward me of a lot of things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God means I want to seek all those things that glorify God for His kingdom. These things God will take care. So my friends, do not be so obsessed with the fear that you cannot be what you want to be if you put God first. Understand that. Glorify God, He will take care of things. It's not meant to be, it's not meant to be no matter how you work. Now, we move on. All right. Amy, what are you studying? Oh, sorry, uh, Yana, what are you studying? Environmental, environmental management. I'm not familiar with that area, so I can use examples there. <laughs> so you're spare. <laughs> Susan, what are you studying? Law and business. Law and business, okay. Um, now, Susan, now one day, if you become a lawyer, where, which country are you from? Malaysia. Malaysia. Um, now, one day, if you become a lawyer, all right, you work in a company, and then 
you know that your life is to glorify God, right? To glorify, do everything to the glory of God. Now, you are going to be made a partner. You know it's a partner? A partner of the company. It means, oh, you're going to be mega rich very fast. And then the company, you begin to realize that the company does things that are unethical, unbiblical, wrong. How would you choose? Find God righteous things to do. Now, what happens if there's no such a thing in this company? You will leave. But you'll be jobless, you know. And you do not know where's the next job. You will leave and you believe God will take care of you. Right? Now, let me ask you. Then, five years later, you're still jobless. And they said, that silly pastor teach me these things. What do you think that? <laughs> Why? Mm. Or bring sh- more, most importantly, it doesn't bring shame to his name, right? It doesn't matter. Now, do you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. Now, Christ says, does it matter who I am on earth? They call him the devil. They shame him. Right? He, he said that many times he has nowhere to sleep. He has very little sleep. He's often in hunger, in, in, in cold, tired. Did he give up? Because his aim was only one. I will never do anything that will put my father to shame. I want to glorify him and finish his work. Now, it does not matter who you are on earth. I just, that's what God's glory is about. We often think wrongly, to glorify God, I must be the famous doctor, famous lawyer, famous surgeon. Some parents are worse. Parents say, you see, my son is a brain surgeon. How he glorify God? So what are you saying? The family whose son is a road sweeper doesn't glorify God? Now, we must move away from that. It doesn't matter if I'm jobless. It doesn't matter what. As, as long as I am living according to God's commandment, that is all that matters. Because God looks down from heaven and sees the most successful lawyer and sees Susan who is jobless, maybe working in McDonald's, a lawyer working in McDonald's, but in God's eyes, who is the one who is glorifying him? The one that is obedient to him at all costs. Alright? This is the meaning of glorifying God. We don't I don't want to have I don't want to build Christians. Um, in this church, or rather, I don't want to teach Christians in this church to have that concept that glorifying God, we just say, I want to glorify God, but there don't seem to be any cost. Verses 1 to 5 tells us of the cost that the Lord Jesus went through. So now you go back, I want to glorify God. Are those friendships, are those things that you have or pursuing, are they standing in the way? It may be costly. But first of all, you must be a believer. Huh? First of all, you must settle that problem. Do you have eternal life? Do you really believe in Jesus Christ as your personal saviour? Or do you believe in your good works? That's different. So now, this is what Christ was praying and the disciples heard it. And they understood this is what it means to glorify God. Look at verse 4, please. Chapter 17, verse 4. Now he says, I have glorified thee. I've glorified thee where? On earth. On earth. On earth. Christ knew he had limited time. The time to glorify God, my friends, is on earth. When we go to heaven, of course, we will glorify him. But that crucial time now on earth, are you spending it to glorify God? Are you spending it to pursue your dreams? You have to choose. Christ chose. Christ obeyed God the Father. Alright, so now we've done question one, two, question four. Um, I think I will just um, give you a little foretaste and then we end, alright? Now, question number five. Okay, now I want you to read, let us read from verses six to nineteen. I tell you, I'll, I'll leave this for the next. 
Okay, I'll leave this for the next. We'll move to um, Christ praying for the disciples. I'll, I'll leave this to the next uh, session. I want to end earlier so that we have time to meet our new friends. Um, but before I end, I want to ask, are there any questions that you have? Anyone? Any question? No? Actually, this is the beginning of your school term, right? Is that true? For all of you? Pretty much the beginning? Now I hope... Um, Francis and Amy, is this kind of your beginning of school term as well? Alright. Now, Cheryl also, right? Actually, for all the students, pretty much. Now, beginning of school term, I hope it's a time when you really ask yourself, where is my life going? Where is my life going? The next six months, 12 months, am I going to make any changes to my life to glorify God? What does it mean to glorify God? <laughs> Neighbor, we study from chapter 14 to 16. When God, God described his life to glorify God, what does it mean? Okay. Now, maybe one more precise way to, to preach the gospel so that people will know this God. Alright? What is number two? Veronica. Your sister helped you, Jennifer. Obey his commandments. Obey his commandments. Means every commandment, not pick and choose. Alright, obey his commandments. What's number three? Daphne. Serve the Lord. Then you ask yourself, have I served him? Have I borne any fruit at all? This is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit glorifies God. Bearing much fruit. Christ said, this is how, the God, how God is glorified, bearing much fruit. Let us pray.